Our New Testament reading uh, this evening, I almost said this morning, uh, our New Testament reading this evening is from Acts 28, verses 30 and 31. This is the end of Acts, and I know you as a congregation have already gone through the book of Acts, but I figured that I would, uh, I would tell you how it really ends. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Charles is a, is a wonderful, wonderful preacher. But um, this is where we are as a church, and we've just finished the book of Acts. And I think this is something that is, um, is formative for the church. It is formative for us today. And this is one of the ways in which we see that God's Word is living and active and applicable to where we are. Because we are God's people the same as Paul is here. And so before I start preaching, before the, the verse, let's go ahead and look at the verse. This is Acts 28, 30, and 31. He lived there two whole years at his own expense, referring to Paul, and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do come to you. We thank you for Jesus, the, the one that the Apostle Paul was proclaiming with boldness and without hindrance. And we, and we pray, God, that you would, by your Spirit, um, show us the kingdom and teach us about the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray these things in his name. Amen. So he's here for two whole years. He's just come from Caesarea, and he'd been in prison there for two whole years. He's been shipwrecked. He's been snake bit. And he... Um, He's chained to a Roman soldier, more than likely. And so when I'm thinking about preaching and uh, looking about being bold and without hindrance, I would consider a lot of this stuff hindrance, right? I mean, at least being chained to a dude, um, being hindered. But Paul looks at this, and in Luke recording it says, the gospel is going out without hindrance. So we see the power of, of God at work. Um, what would you do if you were in prison for four or five years? What would you do with that time? And what, what would your, your, uh, your, your mindset be? Right? Especially if you hadn't done anything to merit being in prison. Now, it's one thing if you've done something... Uh, committed some crime and it's been proven without a doubt here you are you're in prison you're served do do the crime serve the time but here you are in prison and you should not be there what are you going to do with that time what is your your heart what is your perspective on life um, we see that Paul here just continues to go on about what he's been called to and I don't think it's just because he's an apostle. I think it's because he's a Christian. And he believes that Jesus really did rise from the dead. Um, I believe that he believed that Jesus was coming again. So Paul approaches prison with faith. And this is a trial in life, right? I mean, I can't imagine what it would be like, but we've all faced trials. And we face them in real time with real faith. 
And this is the way Paul approaches it. Now, I don't ever want to come off as saying, well, now let's just be like Paul, because that's impossible. I don't know the man personally. I I haven't lived next to him. And so let's not be like Paul, but let's approach the world through the lens of the gospel that he has given us. Right? And so Paul approaches prison with faith. He believes that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. He believes in God's grace and the forgiveness of sins. And Paul is intent on establishing the church. Now, he has been given this specific call. But I think just as a run-of-the-mill, common, everyday believer, that you and I are no different in that. That you and I are called to kingdom work, and that has to do with the church. Now, we have to have that defined by what the Bible says the church actually is. He's intent on living out his Christian identity. What it means to have faith in Christ. So Acts ends, and Paul is in prison, and he's doing these two things. He's proclaiming the kingdom of God, and he's teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. And so let's look at uh, proclaiming the kingdom. First, we've got to say he's proclaiming the kingdom. Well, what kingdom? God's kingdom. What, what is God's kingdom? Jesus taught what have been called the kingdom parables. Uh, you, you heard one of them earlier uh, in, the, in the gospel reading. But he says in Matthew 13, 47, that the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. When it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good into containers, but threw away the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Well, gee, Jesus... That's kind of harsh. Now he's speaking about the kingdom and and the judgment that will come. But the first message, the first message of the gospel, before he talks about judgment in the fiery furnace, he says, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So it is the gospel of the kingdom that Jesus comes to proclaim. And what that is, is the king is here. The good news is the kingdom of heaven is at hand because the king is here. And he is a king. He's benevolent. He is all-powerful. He is uh, the one who made all things. He was intricately involved. We see that and and look in, in Genesis, and we see it all the way through the book of Revelation. He is a reigning, benevolent, but all-powerful king. The good news is that the King has come, King Jesus. This message was very offensive to the Romans. One of the reasons why Jesus actually was executed was because the Jews were able to say, look, he says that he's a king. The Evangelion has come, the good news. And that is what would be broadcast everywhere when a Caesar would rise to the throne. Then we found inscriptions that says, the good news, hear it, Caesar has taken the throne. Well, the good news, hear it, Jesus 
has taken the throne. This is the good news that Paul is bringing to people. It's the good news of the kingdom. Now, the good news of the kingdom is good because the king is good. The good news was offensive to its age because it, Jesus is claiming that he is above all others. You and I are not building the kingdom. You and I are inheriting the kingdom. And I think that's very, very important. We are told who will not inherit the kingdom and who will inherit the kingdom. And, and the reason why I say it this way is because I think that Christianity is misperceived, perceived wrongly, because a lot of folks think we're trying to convince them to think like we think. And that's not what we're about. That's not what the Bible is about. The Bible is about proclaiming the good news that a good God has sent His Son to come and die for people that are screwed up like me. That need forgiveness like me. I need forgiveness. That need to be made whole and, and be passionately in love with the God who made me. And that He has open arms for that. See, that's the good news and that's what proclaiming the kingdom really is about. Yes, there is that God and He has His way. I don't want you to believe like me, because I might have it wrong. I want you to believe like Jesus and what His Word has to say. So here we are. We're told who will not inherit the kingdom in Scripture and who will inherit the kingdom. 1 Corinthians. Paul writes this um, to the Corinthian church. He says, Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? He writes to Titus, which is a, a pastor to uh, the Cretans. I love this. Paul, Paul writes and, and says to Titus, he says, even the Cretans say, their poets say that they're liars. Like you, Cretan, that used to be an insult. Uh, he says in Titus, so that being justified by His grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. So he's writing to those people who their own poets say, we're a bunch of liars. You're Cretan, justified by grace, that we might be heirs according to the hope of eternal life. See, that, that's grace. That's good. Romans 8, uh, 16, the Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with Him in order that we may be glorified with Him. And so what kingdom are we proclaiming here? We're not proclaiming a kingdom of health and wealth and everything's going to be awesome if you just pray the prayer. We're praying that God would forgive us. We're preaching that the King has called you to obedience and salvation forever. And that's good news. And that also helps me to make it through these sufferings in the midst of this hard life. And so the glory of Christ is what the kingdom is about. It's the kingdom of God. And a vital part of that is the glory of Christ. This defines the kingdom. It tells us who it belongs to. It tells us the character and the nature of the thing. The kingdom of God. 
So we're not recruiting people to believe like we believe. We're proclaiming the kingdom of the living God. And there's a difference there. So whose kingdom? Well, we said it's the kingdom of God, but particularly Jesus says, repent for the kingdom has come near to you. That's what he says in Matthew, literally there. And it's Jesus's kingdom. Paul writes about um, this hard life. He says, for I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. So he's, he's suffering, right? He's anxious. Uh, he talks about being grieved in his spirit. Have any of you ever uh, suffered anxiety or depression or hardship? You know, um, I, I've had a panic attack before. It's no fun. And I'm, I'm walking around and I'm thinking, yes, I'm big, I'm tough, I'm a man. And I'm scared out of my wits and I'm walking. What is going on here? You, you see, it is n not for the strong that Jesus came. It's for those of us who are weak and need Him desperately and, and are willing to admit it, yes, but have come to the conclusion there is a God in this world is in desperate need of that God and He has declared Himself. When, when the kingdom is proclaimed, it's, it's not just a powerful kingdom, it is the kingdom of Christ Jesus. Jesus the Lord. And so, when you look at your anxiety, your worry, your heartache, the hardship and tears, those things are very heavy in your life. If you've ever suffered a miscarriage, if you've ever suffered the death of a parent, or, heaven forbid, a child, these things are brutal. They are bone-jarring. But God will see you through. That is part of the message of God's grace to you and part of His kingdom message. The King is on the throne and the glory that is to be revealed is heavier than those things. See, God's glory is such that um, it is a beautiful thing to behold and will sustain you in this life, but is the hope of heaven. The glory that will be revealed. And what will be revealed? It is heaven, yes, but it is Jesus Himself in the flesh. The resurrected Lord with the marks on His hands and His feet and His side. The, the Lamb of glory that appears as though He were slain. Yet all of heaven is bowing down and worshiping in thunderous praise. Thunderous praise. This is the God that you are called to submit to, for He is good and kind and gracious and powerful and a judge. There is reason to fear the King of Heaven. And, and I would challenge, um, challenge myself, but also challenge skeptics when they say, well, I just want the love of God. I don't know that you can actually receive the love of God without coming to grips with His righteousness and His glory and His judgment. We like to pick and choose. You know, I go to, to Sprouts for this particular vegetable. I like to go to this other grocery store for these things. I want to go to this other store for this other favorite thing that only they, they carry. Well, 
turns out that life and heaven and hell are not like that. I don't get to pick and choose. It is God who is sovereign there. Jesus continues with the kingdom parables. I love these, these parables, and Paul is proclaiming the kingdom. And he, he, Jesus in Mark 4, he talks about um, the parable of the seed, and, and really the, this, this kingdom and walking in the kingdom and walking with Jesus is about our lives being transformed and the kingdom really unfolding in our lives and unfolding around us. Um, so we're to seek first the kingdom of God, we're told, but we seek to prepare, um, and you, you as a church here, you seek to prepare this place, body and soul, physically, spiritually, to be a biblically faithful, welcoming environment for those that God is calling into his kingdom. So the church is not the kingdom, and the kingdom is not the church, but they are together, right? They are together. Um, and so we want to have that kind of faithfully welcoming environment. And the church needs you, needs your help to prepare this place and the culture of this place. And so you're being involved, invited more than just to say, yes, I believe that, but to live this way with justice and mercy and peace and love and kindness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control and, and faith. And so that is what you're being invited into when you're being invited into the kingdom. And it starts with your life and the transformation of your life because Jesus is king. And that's the hope of being able to be that person. Transformation by the power of the Holy Spirit. So in Mark 4, 26, um, Jesus says, The kingdom of God is as a, is." as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows, he knows not how. The earth produces by itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. You are part of how that harvest comes in. You are your midtown, and um, you are how midtown gets in the field. It's you, God. If you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you are how some of those sheaves get brought into the barn, um, and God is going to use that gloriously. You know, He's going to use people like you. To bring glory to the name of Jesus. To bring people into His amazing and good kingdom. And so this is part of what we do. The growth of the kingdom, the growth of this church, has to do with God working through His people. And this is how He does it. Somebody told you about Jesus. Somebody told me about Jesus. I'm thankful, right? I even remember who it was. And he's going to use you that same way. And this is how the kingdom grows. We're still talking about this a long way after Paul has written these things. So he goes around, everywhere he goes, proclaiming the kingdom and then teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ. To understand the kingdom, we focus on the Lord Jesus Christ. 
there is a difference between arrogance and boldness. Paul speaks with boldness and grace, right? Um, if I come and I tell you that I am so convinced that Jesus really did rise from the dead, um, and you're like, no, couldn't have happened. I'm like, no, really, it did. It did. He rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven. Um, me insisting on that can come off like arrogance if I'm, if I'm not careful, right? But with boldness, I need, and in grace, I need to say, no, no, I don't think you understand what I'm saying here. I, I'm not telling you that um, you have to believe like I believe. I'm telling you, this thing really did happen. And if it did, you've got to consider what the, what the realities are. How does that change your life? How does that change your world? How does it change this world if that really happened? And you know what? That's about one of the weirdest things you could tell somebody. I believe that a dead man, he was dead. He was on the cross. They put him in a grave. And I believe he's alive again. And, and you know what? I believe he's in heaven. And I believe that those wounds have never healed. And I believe that I'll see him again one day. I sincerely believe this. And you see, that is a step of faith. But it does take a bit of boldness to tell something. Now, it's easy for me to do that. Here, this is a church. I'm supposed to say this. Right? Aren't I supposed to say Yeah, okay. <laughs> but you see, the church and you are out in the field. And so we talk about it in the field when you're working next to somebody. And this is how the world finds out about Jesus Christ. With boldness and with grace. As believers in the kingdom, we approach Jesus with boldness and grace. We boldly tell others about Christ, about Jesus and His grace. Um, if you want to be part of something that is lasting, something that matters, come and participate in kingdom life in the church. Grow in your knowledge and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and help others come to that conclusion as well. That is lasting. It's eternally lasting. Participate in the harvest. Um, but this is not a job for super Christians. This is a job for common laborers. Can you pick up a shovel? Can you carry on a conversation? Can you string a couple of words together? You're qualified. If you've got faith in Christ. Right? This is not like, oh, we've got an evangelist here. No, no, I'm no evangelist. Maybe some of you are. But this is what we're called to. Faith in Christ. Walking with Christ. Because it is about Jesus Christ. So most of us here have, um, we've watched television a lot. We, uh, we like to binge watch things, but some of us here back in the olden, olden days, lived in a time where there was no DVR, there was no Netflix, and if you wanted to watch a show, you actually had to set your watch or, or keep track of the time and, and then sit down in front of the television. There were no portable devices back in the olden days. And uh, we, we, sometimes we had to mess around with these things called bunny ears, maybe you've seen them in a museum, to make sure that we had clear reception, which was not HD. <laughs> and here's the thing, um, 
There was no fast forwarding through commercials. You, what you did is you had, if there's a bunch of you, you had one person stay and everybody did stuff during the commercial and, hey, it's back on, and everybody would run back. And you bring the popcorn and the drinks and everything that people had forgotten or wanted. And so, um, one of the things that you would have there, though, is very well-defined plot lines, and within the hour, it would end. The show would come to a conclusion, and so when you were watching MacGyver, or the A-Team, and I'm getting blank stares, wow, uh, or, or Dallas, my, my parents watched Dallas, who shot JR? Blank stares. Some of the old people. If you know who I am, you're old. If you know what I'm talking about, you're old. Uh, so, what? What's going on? And then, the dreaded, the dreaded words that would show up on the screen every once in a while is, to be continued. And so you sat down, you watched the show for an hour, and you, there's no resolution. It's to be continued. And then you had to wait a whole week because they didn't drop the entire season at once. You had, to, you had to wait the whole week. Well, the gospel here in, in Acts, it basically ends with a to be continued. And, th and this story has been continuing for 2,000 years. And it's not done yet. <laughs> this is the, the longest running serial in history. But you are part of the developing of that story still. And this story continues on unhindered. The last word in this book is unhindered. And it, and it means that it, it is more powerful than the things that would restrain it. And here's the thing about the gospel in your life. There are a lot of things that will hold you back in life. There are a lot of things that compete for your time and your energy and your love and your passions. Right? But the gospel of Jesus Christ will win out over all of those in time. Because God is calling a people to Himself. And I want to encourage you with this. If you are hurting, hang on to the gospel which does proceed unhindered. If you are confused in this life and have come to the conclusion that you don't have it all figured out, look to the one who does and is directing your life in an unhindered manner toward heaven. You see, what Paul is preaching here is Jesus crucified, risen from the dead, and coming again. Right? Not tomorrow. Maybe tomorrow. Come, Lord Jesus. But we are living our lives in that rubric, with that set of principles that God is sovereign. His truth is unhindered. It is irresistible even. And that nothing in this world is going to be able to stamp it out. Right? I ache and hurt for what's going on to many of our brothers and sisters the world over because they're Christians. They're being killed. But do you know that the gospel in those countries is going on unhindered? And that's the way we live our lives as well, with that same power, with that same joy, with that same love. 
So I want to encourage you with that. This is not an ending. It is a to be continued. And it applies in your life. That the kingdom is here. Repent and believe the gospel. Uh, the Lord Jesus Christ is, is good. And he is worthy to be praised. And that story is true today. The same as it was 2,000 years ago. And the same as it will be in 2,000 years if the Lord tarry. So as Midtown, let's get out in the field. Let's enjoy the work that the Lord has for us. But let's see it for what it is. A focus upon Him and His kingdom and more than what's immediately right in front of us. But a relationship and a faith with the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do come to you. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the, the promise, the hope of heaven. Jesus, thank you for your boldness and your courage, your, your beauty. And I pray, Lord God Almighty, I pray for this church, Lord, that you would use these people sitting here to grow this particular church. Not, not for a namesake, but for your glory's sake. Uh, for the good of other souls coming and being refreshed and transformed and finding joy in Jesus. Lord, bless these people, I ask. Um, do great and amazing and wonderful things in their lives. Help them through hard times and help them experience amazing, beautiful times. But do this for your kingdom and for the name of the Lord Jesus. We ask it in his name. Amen.